All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. My apologies for the slight delay. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's daf. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Aleph. Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Zechariah ben Zechariah and Dina Bas Rabdov. We thank Art and Shari Miller for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in loving memory of Art's brother, Richard Miller, Ruben ben Bitzalel Verachal. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Ayal Steinberg, for the Refor Shlim of Shulamis Bas Susha. And we thank our Dathyomi sponsors today, Moshe and Anne Ellen Gavant, in commemoration of the 26th yard site of Anne Ellen's father, Usher Blackman, Usher ben Moshe David. Sichron the Brach, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, and Shomo have an Aliyah and the family in the Most of that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today. Baruch Hashem, but don't worry, a lot to do today. Not as much to do tomorrow, so we could take our time. Whatever we get through today, we get through. Emirat Hashem, and tomorrow we will conclude the Masechta B'Sha'atova Umitzlacha. So we'll say, so today's daf is Chav Ches, 28. And we are picking up at Chav Zayin Ahmed Beis. We actually left off pretty high up on, uh, on Ahmed Beis. In the wide lines, in the wide lines of the daf, we are two, four, five lines down. In Manichen Es Hamita Berachot. Remember again, Mishnah said that if you have a Levaya on Chalamayit, and Chalamayit, so you don't go ahead and leave the funeral beer in the street, as leaving it in the street will, will encourage people to say Hespedim. Thank you, Mark thank you so much. We'll encourage people to say Hespedim, we'll encourage people to eulogize, thank you again. And eulogies, of course, are prohibited on Chalamayid. Says the Gemara. Amr Baba. In more b'fnei tamut chacham, the chol shekain chanako parim. So our Papa said, we'll say while it is true that you're not allowed to go ahead and eulogize on chalamayid, that doesn't apply to a tamut chacham. When it comes to a tamut chacham, the loss of a tamut chacham, eulogies are permitted, even on chalamayid, and all the more so on chanako and parim. Bahani mili b'fanov. But that's only true when literally the mace, the Tamut Chacham, is in your presence. In other words, that the body is there. But even with the death of a Tamut Chacham, one can't eulogize a Tamut Chacham on Chalamayid or on, on Chalamayid or on, or on Chanukah and Purim, if the mace is not present. Ini, is that so? But yet one time it happened that Rav Zavid passed away and Rav Kahana eulogized him in Pubnara, which was not in the presence of Rav Zavid. There's a difference. In other words, Rosa Yom Shmua means it was the day that Rav Zavid actually passed away. And the day in which a Talmud Chacham actually passes away, the pain is so acute, that has the status as if, as if, again, the body of the Talmud Chacham was literally present. So both say, it turns out that the Gemara seems to be saying two things. That although normally we do not eulogize on Chalamayid, Chanukah, Purim, that only the exception to that rule is a Tamut Chacham. Tamut Chacham you can eulogize on those days. However, again, even a Tamut Chacham, eulogies are only permitted if the Tamut Chacham, the body, is present. The exception to that rule is the actual day of death. If the, if the actually the Tamut Chacham actually passes away on Chalamayid, on or on Yamtiv, on Chanukah Purim, then Halacha Lamaisa again, Yom Shemua has the same status as if the Talmud Chacham was actually present and Hespedim eulogies would be permitted. So Amr Ula, Ula says, Hesped al Lev. So this is interesting. Often we go ahead and translate the word Hesped as eulogy. But the Gemara says over here, Al Lev Metapech Keneget Halev. Hesped means to go ahead and literally bang against or cl- clap against one's heart. Tipuach means, right? Mutapeach means to clap one hand, to clap, not clapping in joy, but rather, rather again, clapping one's hands together, ultimately again out of pain. Kilos beregel. Kilos is the act of stomping one's foot, 
ultimately also as an expression of sadness, an expression of pain. So the Gemara says, when a person stamps his foot as a form of mourning, he should not do so. Wearing a sandal, rather only a shoe, because of the danger. What danger is the Gemara referring to over here? Very similar danger of breaking one's foot. Right, that again, there was so again, people mourned in different ways. They would hit their hand against their chest, they would clap their hands together, they would stamp their foot. So the Gemara just says, stamping has a danger of breaking your foot or injuring your foot. Therefore, do so in a shoe, not a sandal. Incredible. Once he nods his head, those who are assembled should leave. Should leave, right? That's ultimately, literally translated, it means once he nods his head, no one should try to console him anymore. So we'll say essentially when the Avel indicates, nods his head, that's a good indication that he's good, right? Now, Rashi's Lashon is that he's been comforted. Pashup Shat in the Gemara is what it means is what? Is that, you know, he, he appreciates everyone for coming, but now it's time to hear. We'll say it's always an interesting thing. Sometimes one of, the, one of the most difficult things or awkward things in a Shiva home is when people don't realize that it's time to go, right? And they just, they just sit. They just sit there. Because it's awkward, because you don't know what to say. In general, we'll say, remember again, the, the mitzvah of nichol mavelim, we spoke about this earlier in the Masechta, is not to say something, right? It's not to share some pearl of wisdom, because often when a person experiences loss, they're just going to grieve, and nothing you're going to say is really going to make a difference one way or the other. Really what you provide is your company, right? And what you're saying is, I'm here, I'm here. So really, once a person demonstrates that they're here, time to go, time to go. Don't, don't, don't sit around for those prolonged, awkward silences, and you're gonna be the guy who then waits for someone else to get up so that you can go. Again, it's okay to go. It's okay, it's okay to leave. You came, you did your thing, you didn't have to say anything. If the Abel doesn't speak to you, you don't have to speak. Your presence is enough. But again, from the Avelin perspective also, people think it's just awkward for the Menachemim, for the people who are coming to visit. It's awkward for the Ava also when people just kind of sit around and don't do anything. So therefore, again, the Mishnah says, once the Avel goes ahead and nods his head, the Menachem, So Rabbi Yochanan says, everyone is obligated to stand up for the Nasi. So the Nasi, remember, is the head of the Jewish people. Nasi walks in the room, everyone's obligated to stand. Except for an Avel, and someone who is ill. So someone who is ill, obviously, is not obligated because they're a chola. An avel also is not bound, is not obligated by these behavioral displays of COVID. Everyone else, everyone else, same way you're obligated to stand for the nasi, you can't sit until the nasi gives you rishos to sit. With the exception, of course, of an avel and a chola, which makes sense since they're not obligated to stand from the beginning, therefore they're also not obligated to wait to be told to sit down before they sit. A novel on the first day of his Avelos is not permitted to eat his own bread. Meaning his food must be supplied by the community. Since Kodesh Baruch Hu said to Yechezkel, but remember again, this is the episode where Yechezkel lost his wife. So interestingly enough, what does Hashem say to Yechezkel? Do not eat the bread of other people. So remember again, what's fascinating about this episode with Yechezkel is we learn out so much of Hilchos Avelos based on what? Based on what Yechezkel was told not to do. Hashem essentially tells Yechezkel not to mourn in the conventional way. So from what God tells Yechezkel not to do, we're able to glean many of the halachos concerning Avelos. So Hashem tells Yechezkel, don't accept food from other people. From here we see that an Avel is not supposed to eat his own food for the first day. I will say we call, this is why today, and Nebrah is the Sudas Hadra, which is the meal of consolation, the, the meal that the Avelim eat when they come back from the Levaya. That meal is provided by, by the community. When I say community, it could be a shul, it could be one's friends. The point is, it's not their own food. It's not their own food. The Geshe Chaim discusses why is that. 
right? Why, why is that? So it's very profound. Like Hashem Chaim says, quotes a number of opinions, but one of the ideas that he quotes is the concept that we're concerned that the Ovel is not going to take care of himself, right? That sometimes a person is so consumed by grief that they, they, they don't even care about their own personal needs. And therefore, again, in an effort to ensure that the Ovel has everything, has everything that, uh, that he needs, ultimately, again, ultimately we make sure that Halacha Lamaisa, his meals are provided for by the community. Again, this is just the Suda Rishona. This is not the obligation for the duration of Avelos, but ultimately, again, for the first meal. Omar so the Gemara says, Rabbi Rav Yosef, Michlefi Suda Sayyid Hadadi. Rabbi Rav Yosef, they would prepare meals for one another when the other was in Avelos. Okay. Vam Rav Yudamarav. So Rabbi Yehuda said the name of Rav, when a person dies in his city, all the residents of the city are prohibited from doing malacha in order to ensure that burial occurs. Right? So there's an Isra malacha until the person is buried. Again, ensuring that people will go ahead and, and uh, bury the dead. So the Gemara tells the story, Rav Hanuna Ikla Ledurmasa, Rav Huna went to Dromasa, to the south. Shama called Shipura de Shachba. There was, a, there was a, apparently in this particular city, so they used to sound the shofar when someone passed away. So we heard the sound of the shofar indicating that the person had passed away. Chaza Hanach Inish, the Ka'av, the Avidita. He heard, he saw that there were people who were working. So here they blew the shofar, someone died, and he you saw people working. Amr le hey, Amr le who le havi hanach in shibishanto lo shav lo shachba ika b'masa. So he said these people should be excommunicated. After all, isn't there a dead person in the city who needs to be buried? Amr le they said to Rafanuna chaburasa ika b'masa. He said there's a chavra kadisha. Chaburasa means there are groups. So Rashi, look at Rashi, Chaburasa Ika, about four lines off from the end of Rashi. Chaburosayim, She'elu kovrin meisim shalahem levadam, ve'elu kovrin meisim shalavadam. Well, so listen to this. They had Chavra Kedishas, they had burial societies. So what, what's the pshat? What's the pshat of a burial society? You're a member of a particular society. Membership has its privileges. When you die, the society takes care of you. So therefore, again, what they were telling Rav Hamluna was... Everybody's a member of different societies. So when a person passes away, their chevra, their chevra kadisha takes care of them. So because their chevra kadisha takes care of them, it's not an obligation that devolves upon the entire city, just upon a particular chevra. So Rafa Muna says, okay, if that's the case, I revoke the shanta, I revoke the excommunication, and you're good to go. Incredible. So the Gemara will say, here we have an incredible, incredible Gemara. What's a really incredible Gemara? So the Gemara says something absolutely amazing. A person who mourns excessively for their dead, ultimately, again, will end up mourning over subsequent relatives. Now there's two things being mentioned over here. There is what Gimar is telling us is a prohibition to mourn excessively. To mourn excessively. And then there's like a penalty. The penalty for mourning excessively is unfortunately having to mourn even more. So Gimar tells a, a very dramatic story. There was a woman in the, in the neighborhood of, of Rav Huna. Hava la shivas bani. She had seven sons. Meis chad minayu. one of her children passed away. Hava kabachas biyiseirasa alei. And the woman mourned excessively. Now, how you define excessive mourning, the Gemara is going to discuss a little bit, but this woman was mourning excessively. Shalach la Rafuna sent to her, Lo te'avdi hachi. Do not conduct yourself like this. Lo ashkechabe. She would not listen to him. Shalach he sent her another message. Itzayis mutov, if you listen to me, all will be well. Ve'ilot savis, but if not, ve'ilot savis zavdasa le'idach. Le'idach mis. Prepare burial shrouds for another dead relative. So the Gemara says, and what ended up happening? Umisu kulhu. Ultimately, again, this woman did not heed the advice of, of Rav Huna. And Rachman al she lost all of her children. 
L'sof Amr Allah, then he sent again, after she endured all of his loss, he sent to her, Lo Simush Zabdasa Lenaf Sheikh, Umisa. Ultimately, again, he said to her, she still was mourning excessively. He said, if you don't stop, you'll end up preparing burial shrouds for yourself. And ultimately, again, the end of the story is she ended up passing away as well. So the Gemara uses this as, as a story to support the idea that one cannot engage in excessive mourning. So I'll say, what's the pshat? What's wrong with excessive mourning? Do not cry for the dead excessively. And do not literally, again, tanudu means to move your head. Also means a form of mourning. More than is appropriate. Hakeitz, as supposed to say, what is the appropriate level of mourning? Shloshi yamim lebechi, three days for crying. Shiva lehespid, seven days for eulogies. Shloshim legihutz vilatispores, 30 days for haircutting, shaving, and laundering. Mikan ve'elech, but mourning any longer than this. Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu, i'atem rachmanim bo yoser mimeni. Hashem says, to mourn more than that, Hashem says, you're not more compassionate than I am. So I'll say, here's what's unfolding from this Gemara. What the Gemara essentially is telling us is as follows. The problem with excessive mourning is it looks like a rejection of divine judgment. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, of course we're sad when we experience loss. But sadness, sadness has to give way to acceptance. To acceptance, at least externally. The Gemara is not talking about say, how the Avel feels internally, right? Internally, the Avels are going to feel broken and going to feel sad for a very long time. What the Gemara is discussing over here is how the Avel presents. And at a certain point in time, behaviorally, I have to transition into a framework of acceptance. This is what happened. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did. The Rebano Shal Olam is the Dayan HaMS. He is the truthful judge. And I have to learn to live with and accept his judgment. The concept of excessive mourning is the inability to go ahead and accept the divine judgment. And the Gemara says that's what's problematic. Now, how long? So again, you know, Gimara, the Gemara gives this example, three days for crying, seven days. So Chazal trying to say is, again, we'll say people cry for much longer than three days. And the halacha is okay with people crying for more than three days. But the idea is that at a certain point in time, ultimately acceptance has to be the dominant feature. Also, I'll tell you, it's interesting. There's a fascinating halacha about this. So the, the, the Shulchan Aruch actually says, this is in Yaradei Hilchos Habelus, Shimin Shin Tzadik Dalet Sifalef. Shulchan Aruch says, In miskashin ala meis yoser midai. Now the Lachan over here is very interesting as well. You can't engage in excessive mourning. Right? Now both say, now what's, what's the ambiguity in this halacha? What's the ambiguity? What's excessive? What's excessive? So again, so much of this is based on the loss. You know, also people have different temperaments. Some people are very emotional. Some people, but I will say, but this is incredibly important. Excessive mourning, even excessive mourning during Shiva itself is something that is not permitted in halacha. So again, Shekhanach echoes this Gimara, person who mourns excessively, ultimately, again, will come to mourn, unfortunately, for others as well. So the actually, So this is the Yisod. Excessive mourning is prohibited because excessive mourning, whether we mean it or not, essentially represents a rejection of the din of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, again, the Gemara says, I ha- I'm allowed to mourn, but I'm allowed to mourn, I'm encouraged to mourn. I'm encouraged to mourn, right? But at the end of the day, the mourning has to have its limitations. I'll tell you something amazing. You know, this is actually part of yesterday's daf, right? You may have noticed, right? So this is yesterday's daf. So I, I was, as I, so right, we're supposed to do this on Tuesday, on Tuesday. There was a fascinating article in Monday's Wall Street Journal. So I'll say, so the, there's on Monday's Wall Street Journal, the title of the article was, Workers Get More Time to Grieve Losses. I don't know if anyone saw this. It was so literally again. I came off the smichas cover, so I just I, t- I look at I looked at the paper and I saw this. There was this article, and so I want to read to you one part of it. It's it's actually amazing. So they quote they're quoting this idea as as it says about businesses now giving people time off to grieve. So they talk about this young woman Jess Ma, 
her boyfriend died. Her boyfriend died by suicide. So what happens? So she went ahead. She went ahead and she canceled. It says she spoke out. She can't first. She canceled the day of meetings. Right? Then she can't, because she figured, all right, I just need a day, a day or two. Then she canceled, it says, she canceled a week of meetings. Then another. In the end, she took three months off. So listen to this. She's an executive in a company and instituted an unlimited paid bereavement leave policy at the company. Unlimited paid bereavement. Right? See, here's what's fascinating. Here's what's fascinating. Now, again... The beautiful part of the article is it's trying to express the idea that you have these companies that are being sensitive to the fact. Now, again, it's interesting to see kind of what the world considers loss. Like, by the way, many companies, this, this covers also pet bereavement as well. I, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's, you know, um, indefinite. But okay, leaving aside what, what the Welt determines as loss, but, but, but Lamaisa, it was fascinating to see Unlimited paid bereavement. And you go ahead and you read this and you say, wow, that's really beautiful and compassionate. And then you see the daf and you say, no, that's actually really wrong. That's really wrong. The notion of unlimited bereavement is in and of itself theologically problematic from the Judaic perspective. There is no unlimited bereavement. In other words, there may be a part of me that's broken forever, and there may be a part of me that is, that is sad, a certain part of me that's just forever. That, that may be true, but in a, to be in a state of bereavement for a prolonged amount of time, that, the Gemara says, not acceptable. Um, it's, and, but here's the difference. The difference between what the world has and what we have is that we have a fully immersive mourning experience. In other words, what we have, the notion of Shiva, is a concept of being fully immersed in loss. The world doesn't have that. The world doesn't have that. It's a gift that, 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 that Chazal or that Halacha gave us, that we have seven days in which we do nothing else but mourn. I don't work, I don't go out, I don't travel, I don't have meetings. I literally just am enveloped in my loss for seven days. Well, when a person has a fully immersive mourning experience and allows themselves to experience grief, and allows themselves to experience the loss, I don't need paid indefinite bereavement. Because I've had the opportunity to mourn, now I have to accept that this is the Ratzon, this is the will of Hashem, and I have to figure out how to move on in life. Incredibly profound Gemara. So I'll say, let's go back there. So the Gemara says, Bacho, 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 the whole So the Pasuk says, cry, cry for the one who has left. This refers specifically again to one who passes away without having had children. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shubhan Levi, Levi would only pay a Shiva visit specifically to those who passed away without children. He felt that that was truly the most acute loss, and that was where he felt that his presence could lead, leave, the, or provide the greatest amount of consolation. Kilo Yashub Od. So listen to this. When the Pasik says, Kilo Yashub Od, Pasik says, because ultimately he will not return and see the and see the land of his birth. So Rav Huna says, not talking about death. What is it talking about? This is about a person who committed an Avera and then repeated the Avera. That if a person does an Avera and repeats an Avera, he will not see the, his birthplace again. Which means that if a person commits an Avera twice, he'll never repent. He'll never repent. He'll never do tshuva as a result. Now, what does that mean? Once a person does an Avera and repeats it, it becomes permitted to him. It becomes permitted. I will say a very profound Gemara that we've seen a number of times. When a person, when a person um, commits an Avera and repeats it, something amazing occurs, which is an act that was initially prohibited now suddenly becomes permitted, right? Human nature is once we break down a barrier, once we break down a barrier, unfortunately, even that which was once upon a time clearly prohibited now becomes permitted. I'm Rabbi Levi. When Abel, during the first three days of his Avelah, should see like a sword is suspended between his shoulders. 
Mishlosha at Shiva, from between the third day until the end of Shiva, Kilu Munachazo Kinegibikaran Zavis, should see as if a sword of strict justice is in the corner opposite him. Mikan Ve'ilach Kilu Overes Kinegdo Bashuk. Ultimately, again, afterwards, he should see as if the sword is opposite him in the marketplace. When a person encounters loss, there's a certain midas hadin, right? A person has been dealt with, with the divine attribute of strict justice. That's what the sword represents. And it's a scary thing when justice hovers over you. So the Avel, the Gemara is explaining over here that the Avel understands that the sword of divine justice is, is around, is around. And in the beginning of loss, it's very close. And as loss goes on, again, it's a little bit further removed. But the Avel should understand that he is in a precarious, or she and the family is in a precarious situation. Because once HaKadosh Baruch Hu has dealt with me, with Midas Hadin, the divine attribute of strict justice, it can mean that that Midah, that attribute is still around, and I must conduct myself accordingly. So the Gemara goes right, The Mishnah said, we never go ahead and put the funeral beer of a woman out on the Rechov, out on the street in public view. So the Gemara says, they still talk about a woman who died in childbirth. Because we'll say, what are we concerned about a woman who died in childbirth? That she may still bleed. And it would be, an, it would be, it would be a, a lack of covet. It would be a lack of, of covet amaze to her to have the tachrichim stained with blood. So therefore, again, if a woman dies in childbirth, then our doim said, we do not go ahead and put out her funeral beer in public. But other women, we put out their funeral beer. So Rabbi Lezra, Rabbi Lezra says, no. It says, Miriam died and she was buried there. So there's an immediate juxtaposition, Samoch Lemisa Kvura. So we learn from there that by a woman, we don't put their beer out, right, in public. Right? They don't put the funeral beer, the coffin, the cat, well, the funeral beer out in public. Out sneers, sneers for the woman. And that was true even by Miriam. Well, they see Miriam died as an older woman. She did not go ahead and die in childbirth. And therefore, Allah, Allah, we bury immediately. Rabbi Lazar says, Af Miriam Beneshika Mesa. Both say it's incredible. Miriam also died Beneshika. Both say the Misa Beneshika is the way Chazal described the, uh, uh, what we'll call an easy death, a non turbulent death. Aaron died Beneshika, literally means the kiss of Hashem. We're going to see the Gemara describes this as, as like the pulling of a piece of hair out of milk, right? The same way that hair comes out of milk. Again, there's no friction. There's no difficulty, right? There's, it's not abrasive. So Misa Beneshika also means this calm and serene type of death. So Miriam also died in the Shika. As Yasham Shami Moshe. We learn now from Xir Shabbat Moshe Abenu. Shabbat say, interestingly enough, normally, when the Torah wants to describe Misa Beneshika, right, a death that occurs by the kiss of God, the Lashon is a person died al pi Hashem, by the mouth of Hashem. So why doesn't it ultimately go ahead and say that by Miriam? Because apparently the Gemara felt, the Torah felt, that it's not sanua for it to say Api Hashem by the mouth of Hashem by a woman. By a woman. There was a certain lack of modesty in that. Therefore the Torah doesn't say it as explicitly. incredible Why is it that the death of Miriam is juxtaposed to Pasha Skulkas? The parsha, the para aduma, the red heifer. Lomar the chama para aduma mechaperes af misasan shel tzadikim mechaperes. Teach us an incredibly important lesson. Just like the para aduma atones, right? Atones. So, so too again, the death of tzadikim atones as well. The Gemara says, "Rabbi Lazar, l'am nismucha misas Aaron lebigdeku." And I will say first wide line. Why is the death of Aaron juxtaposed to the section of the big day kuhuna to teach us? Ma big day kuna mechaprin, just as the clothing of Kohanim, right? The wearing of the post of the six parasha, the wearing of the big day kuhuna allows the coin to do the avoda, which provides atonement. Af misasan shal tzadikim mechaperes. So to the death of tzadikim atoned us all. So we'll say it's interesting is so. In general, what does it mean that the death of tzaddikim atones, right? Because truth is, in general, the concept of, of one person dying for the sins of the collective doesn't sound like an expressly Jewish concept. Hey, so what's, like, what's, what's the pshat? So Rav Kook, Rav Avrim Yitzchak Cook, Zechisadik Levracha, 
He says something so beautiful. He explains the concept of Misas Tzadik and means like this. That often when people are alive, we don't understand the full measure of their greatness. It's just, just the nature of life. Even if we know that a person is great, we don't really know how great they are. But when a person dies, often their true greatness comes out. Rav Kook says, this is the pshat, misas tzaddik mechaber. When a tzaddik dies, and their true greatness comes out, and I say to myself, you know what? I want to be like that person. I want to emulate that person. I knew they were great. I never, I knew they were great, but I never knew how truly great they were. Suddenly now that sparks a desire of emulation, and once that occurs, that emulation, and that desire of the greater Am Yisrael to be greater as a result of the life of that person, that provides kapara. It's not the death of the tzaddik that provides the kapara. It's the death of the tzaddik that provides a window into their personalistic greatness, which then allows for emulation on the part of the rest of the klal. And it's that emulation and desire for greater personalistic goodness on the part of the klal that provides, that provides the atonement for Klaali. So, so beautiful. Suppose the Gemara describes some very interesting things over here. If a person dies suddenly, that's called a Misa Chatufa, a snatched death. Now, it's not immediately clear what, what the ramification of, the, of, these, of these descriptions are. Or, or in other words, we're calling it a particular type of death. What that means is not abundantly clear. Now, we'll get, we'll get to some more specificity in just a moment. If a person was sick for one day and then died, this is called a rushed death. This could also be death as a result of a plague. So this reference again to Yechezkel. Hashem tells Yechezkel, I'm going to take your wife in a plague. And ultimately Yechezkel says, I spoke to the people in the morning and my wife had passed away by the evening. If a person was ill for two days and then died, Zohi Misa Dechuya. Also called, this is called a hurried death. Gimel Ga'ara. If a person dies after three days of illness, right? This is called ga'ara, right? Ga'ara can literally mean like a chiding, like a moser. Arba'a nezifa, rebuking. The Gemara here is very, very interesting. The Gemara here is describing that depending on how long a person was ill before they died, or if they died immediately, might also be an indicator about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt about that person. Chamisha. If a person is ill for five days before they die, zohi misas kaladam. That's called a regular death. Okay. Amr Khan, so we'll say, so in general, what to do with these gemaras, we'll see. Amr Khan, micro. So what's the Pasik that supports this? Hain karvu yamecha lamos. The Pasik says, behold, your days to die have come near. I'm sorry, it's lost the place. Hain karvu yamecha lamos. Good. So you're over recording. From the Pasik in Devarim, right? By Moshe Rabbeinu. Hein karvu yomech So listen to what the Gemara Dashans. Hein, chad. Hein refers to one day. Karvu, trey. Yomecha, trey. Harichamisha. Okay. So the Gemara says, Hein chad. Shekem balashin yuvani karun la'achas. Hein. And Hein represents one because in Greek, Hein is one. Okay. So that, that's talking about over here. The description of the number of days a person is ill prior to death. Now the Gemara talks about when a person passes away. If a person dies at the age of 50, that's indicative of karis. Now we're going to qualify a lot of these statements. As the Gemara If a person dies at 52, This is the death of the Navi Shmuel. Rose is an incredible idea. Even though the, even though the Navi says that Vahiki Zakin Shmuel, Shmuel became very old. In fact, the Gemara explains he looked very old. But he was in fact young. He passed away at the age of 52. Next, Shishim. If a person dies at 60, Zohi Misa Bidei Shamayim. That's death at the hands of heaven. So remember again, that's another form. So remember, we have Kares at 60. I'm sorry, Kares at 50. Misa Bidei Shamayim at 60. Armar Zutra. Maikra, what's the Pasuk that says? Tavo Bekelach Eli. So we'll say the Pasuk the Gemara is quoting is from Eov. Tavo bekelach elai kever ba'alos godish bi'ito. 
So the Gemara Darshan is over here. Bakelach b'gematria shisin habu. Bakelach is sixteen gematria. Shivim seva to die at the age of seventy. That's old age. Shmonin to die at the age of eighty. Gvuros that represents again the age of strength, right? Living to a ripe old age. Dixiv yemei shnosa b'am shivim shana ve'im gvuros shmonim shana. Amar Rabbah. So we'll say let's analyze this a little bit. Rabbah says mechamishim ba'achishim shana zoy misas karis. The truth is. If a person dies between 50 and 60, that, that decade window, that's kares. The Gemara says, So why didn't the Gemara say that? Before the Gemara said, 50 is kares. Why didn't the Gemara say that between 50 and 60 is kares? No, I will say, because the Gemara was concerned that you might think Shmuel who passed away at 52, died as a result of kares. But in fact, that wasn't the case. So already, what do you begin to see? But you begin to see something fascinating that so dying between fifty and sixty is curious, except when, except when, when it's not right, when it's not. So we'll say. So again, understand what what, what is the Gemara like this trying to say? I will say you have to understand a Gemara like this is so complicated, really. When a person, there are unfortunately many great people who die young, right? And today, especially today, dying between the age of 50 and 60 is young, is young. So I will say, so every person that's between 50 and 60, that's curious. Now, what Chazal try to do when they sensitize us in these Gemaras is to understand there's meaning in everything, even in death. Even in death. Don't think for a moment that there's only meaning in life and not meaning in death. But even the same way, you know, Rav Moshe, the, the, Rav Moshe has a tshuva. They don't do it today. But they used to go ahead and more readily induce labor. Right? They don't really do it today as much. Just today they'll do it for health purposes. But it used to be a woman wanted her doctor. Right, her doctor was going on vacation. So you know, induce me. I mean, I'm already in the window. Induce me. So they asked Moshe the Shaila, "Are you permitted to induce labor for non-medical reasons?" And Moshe Paskind, "No, no. Why not?" He says, "Because a child is supposed to come into this world at a particular time, and you're not supposed to mess." with when a child comes into this world. Again, obviously, for medical reasons, you have to, of course, that's not a shayla. But Lamai said, just arbitrarily, you can't do it. And what Chazal is sensitizing us to is, just like there's an ordained time that we come into this world, there's an ordained time that we leave this world. And just like there's meaning about the moment we come into this world, there's meaning about the moment when we leave this world as well. And how we leave this world, and when we leave this world, very often is reflective on how we've lived, what we've accomplished, and what we haven't accomplished. What that meaning is, sometimes is never really known in this world. But there's meaning. So Chazal say, never think for a moment that things are happenstance. And never think for a moment that things are just occur, are mikra, and a person dies young, and it's, it's a tragic, it was an accident, it was... See, there's no such thing as accidents. There's no such thing as mikra. The same way that when we come in is ordained, when we leave, baruch atah b'vo'echa, baruch atah b'tseisecha, the b'vo'echa is ordained, b'tseisecha is ordained, ordained, and everything has meaning. That's, that's the takeaway from this Gemara. What the meaning is, sometimes, sometimes we never know. Sometimes we never know. But just know that there is absolute meaning. And to be clear, the meaning isn't always something bad, chas v'shalom, right? The meaning also can sometimes be something beautiful and something holy and something incredible, no matter how painful the departure may be. But there's always meaning. The Gemara goes weiter. Rav Yosef came about Shisin. Let's listen to this. When Rav Yosef turned 60, Avad lehu yamatavad rabbanan. He made a party, right? He made a party. A yamtiv. A yamtiv. Why? Amar nafki limi kares. He said, I will say, this is my, I've escaped Kari's party, right? I've turned 60, Baruch Hashem. I've left the window of Kari's, and therefore he celebrated. He celebrated that he left the window of Kari's. Supposed to listen to this. Only Abai Abai says, you know, even though you've now no longer passed the years of Kari's, have you gone ahead and left the days of Kari's? In other words, that you've left the window of, we'll call it year Kari's. In other words, 50 and 60. But Lamaisa, remember we saw before that if a person dies immediately without previous sickness, that could also be Kari's. There's always one guy like this at the party, right? There's always someone like this. Nice party, but you know you're not really out of the woods yet, right? In other words, you could die immediately as a result of Kares as well. 
Hopefully, he brought a nice gift. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, so the, the, the idea is, so but again, but I will say, but you do see something really amazing about it. I will say, who would ever think of this, right? right? I'm making myself, I've escaped Kare's party. In other words, I will say, if you think about it, by the way, there's something actually really beautiful in it that, you know, we live in such an incredible world with so many advances in medical technology. And you think about, again, how young people used to die and high rates of infant mortality. And what often happens in life is we kind of take things for granted. So we take for granted, right, living to 30, right, 40, 50, 60. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't take anything for granted. Again, it doesn't mean you make a party for yourself every single day. But Lamaisa, to sometimes appreciate the fact that the truth is there are no guarantees in life. There are no guarantees in life at all. And here you have Rav Yosef going in and saying, I'm so happy I made it to 60. So happy I made it to 60. To have an appreciation that really every, every incremental unit of life is such an incredible gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara goes right there. Amrle, nokut lacha mia pal gabiyadecha. So I'll say, so by the way, the end of the story is Rav Yosef says to Abaye, you're right, but you got to celebrate what you've got. Another incredible Musar. You're right, I got it. I, did, I have not escaped Kharis of days. Could it be that I'll die just immediately? Sure, that could always happen. But Lamaisa, I'm happy I made it to 60. Which I will say also, another incredible Musar. There's some things you have to learn to celebrate the accomplishments in life, even if they're not absolute, right? So again, is Rav Yosef out of the woods? No, no one's ever out of the woods. But Lamaisa, let me celebrate the accomplishment at hand. So beautiful. Rav Huna, nach Ravuna passed away immediately. Now, Ravuna died without notice. So apparently he wasn't ill, he just died. So his students were very concerned because Ravosai, again, what they were concerned about was at the end of the day, does this mean that Ravuna maybe did something wrong? Because the Gemara said before that dying immediately without, quote unquote, without notice, without illness, may be indicative of Kares. So they got nervous about their Rebbe. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, "Avunach Hashem Pesam Habukadagi Rabbanon Tanuluhu Zuga Dimehadyub." So there was a group of Rabbanon Tamei Chamu came from the city of Hadyab. Lo Shano Elashlagi LeGvuros. That's only true if a person didn't reach the age of Gvuros. So I both say eighty. Eighty. However, Avaligi LeGvuros. But if a person reaches the age of eighty, Zohi Misas Neshika. This is called death by a kiss. So I both say very interesting. When do we say that immediate death, you know, without, without any kind of warning beforehand, may be indicative of a problem when a person is young, but a person reaches the age of 80, right, Baruch Hashem, and they die without being sick? That's a bracha. That's a bracha. That's a bracha. Again, sometimes difficult for the family because you don't get a chance to say goodbye. You know, I will say, the backdrop to this is that, remember, again, the Medrash tells us that until Yaakov Avinu, no, no one ever got sick. Right, people just died. Yaakov Avinu davened for illness. He davened for illness. So, says, why did anyone ever daven for illness? Because he wanted people to know the end was coming. Because if I know the end is coming, I can get my affairs in order. So, say, sickness before death sounds strange. Sometimes is an incredible bracha because it allows people to say what they need to say, do what they need to do, and be properly prepared for the journey ahead. The exception to that may be when a person is old. That when a person is old, again, when I'm old, I should know the end is coming and I should make sure not to leave anything unsaid or undone. So when I'm old, the ability to die without illness, that could actually be an incredible bracha. So the Gemara goes right to Amarava. Plus, it's such incredible Gemaras. Amarava, Chaye Bini Umezoni, Lobishusa Talia Milsa, Ella Bimazo Telas. So, this is a wild Gemara. Rava says, Chaye, which means longevity, having children, parnasa wealth, has nothing to do with merits and all dependent on mazel. Now, I will say, now, a Gemara like this is a little bit wild because the scary part of the Gemara like this is what does that mean? It's all dependent on my mazel? That means no matter what I do or I don't do, ultimately, again, these things are predetermined. And I will say, furthermore, again, there are so many, whenever we talk about mazel, whenever we talk about mazel, it's interesting, by the way, the second day in a row we had, we had mazel, right? Where do we have it yesterday? The dargush, right? The mazel bed. So it's interesting. Yet, I will say, remember, we have so many Gemaras that say, in mazel Yisrael. The concept of mazel, right? That you have a mazel, right? That you have a certain, almost like, predetermined fate, right? In a mazel, in a good way, Ultimately, again, it's, there are many who, who reject that entire notion. 
Ein mazel Yisrael. So we'll see. Gonna, I'll explain to you what the Gemara is in just a moment. So watch this. The Gemara gives a story. To her Rabbi Watch this. Rabbi and Rav Chista. Tarvayu Rabbanon Sadiki Havu. We're both very righteous. We'll say, listen to this. Mar Matzli Va'asri Mitra. Umar Matzli Da'asri Mitra. We'll say, what's, in general, like, how do you know if someone's righteous? Like, what's a good limit test for righteousness? If they could daven for rain and it rains. By the way, that, that is true. Absolutely. Right, right? If you could daven for rain and it rains, you, you are up there. You are up there. So the Gemara says, both of these Rabbanim, they were able to daven for rain and it rained. Okay. Rav Chista, Chayu Tishin V'tartin Shnin. Rav Chista lived to 92. Rabba, Chayu Arban. Rabba lived until 40. Be Rav Chista, Shisin Hilule. In the house of Rav Chista, Rav, right? Rav Chista made... 60 simchas, 60 simchas, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Bey Rabba, she's in Tichlin. In the house of Rabba, they sat Shiva 60 times. 60 times. I will say 60 is probably hyperbolic on both ends, but what it means is Rav Chista's family, there was always a simcha going on. Rabba's family, unfortunately, always at Sarah. Bey Rav Chista, Smidalakalbi. Rav Chista was so wealthy that they used to feed fine flour to the dogs. And they never had to ask anyone for anything because they always had plenty. Be'i in the house of Rabba, Namo the Sari, they subsisted on, right? Barley flour, Le'inshi, for the people. Right? Barley flour is the most inferior flour. That's what the people in the house had to eat. And there was never enough of it. So I'm this is an incredible Gemara because what, what is this a story of? It's a story of contrasts. Two great people. Two great people of quote-unquote equal righteousness. However you define that, we'll call it equal righteousness. One has a beautifully blessed life. Children, grandchildren, simchas, parnasa, longevity. The other, loss, early death, tsaris, no parnasa. So the Gemara says, how do you reconcile that? How do you, how do you reconcile that? Two people, quote-unquote, the same. They say, how do you reconcile it? So the Gemara wants to suggest, ultimately again, that it shows you that children, parnasa, longevity, is not dependent on personal zechuyos, but rather, again, is fundamentally dependent on mazel. So we'll say, many of the commentaries of the Gemara say that, no, what the Gemara is actually trying to, when the Gemara says it's dependent on mazel, that's another way of saying, we often don't know how HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs his world. And it's important to understand that you can do everything right and experience beautiful reap benefit reward, and you could do everything right and lead an incredibly difficult life. There's a concept of tzaddik viralo. Bad things happen to good people. Why is that? Shabbos say that is the question that is that is, an, is is as old as time itself, and the inability to answer that question is at the core of what it means to have a muna. So we'll say, that's what Amuna is. If we could actually answer that question, then there's no concept of Amuna. The ability to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu means I believe in Hashem despite the fact that I don't understand how the world works. I don't understand why people could do everything right and suffer so, and yet people could be like the most despicable human beings and yet seem to reap every single brach. I don't understand how the world works. And that's ultimately what the takeaway message of this Gemara is. You could do everything right and get everything back from Hashem and do everything right and yet have nothing go right for you in life. Why does that happen? I don't know, but I believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs His world. And I have to somehow accept the fact that everything he does is MS and everything he does is tov. Incredible. Rav said, I davened for three things. Two of them I got, one of them I didn't. What did I daven for? Right? I davened for the wisdom of Rav Huna. I davened for the wealth of Rav Chista. The Yavuli, and I got both of those things. I got wisdom and I got wealth. Listen to this. An visanuse drabarafuna, I davened for the humility of Rabarafuna, lo Yavuli, and I didn't get it. They both say, by the way, very simple Gimari. You know why? You know why? You can't daven for humility, right? You work on humility. You could daven for wealth, you could daven for wealth, you could even daven for wisdom. When it comes to humility, tikun hamidos, becoming a better person. That's loba shamayim here. Rebbe says, incredible yesod. Even wisdom. Rebbe say knowledge, the ability to, to acquire knowledge 
is, is based on the way, right, your intellect works, your brain works. That's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So I'll say, you know, somebody has a photographic memory, that's not their accomplishment. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them that. Somebody could retain massive quantities of information. That's from the Ribbon HaShom, so you could daven for Chachma. But humility, Midos, that's Lobo Shemaimi. That, that, that you have to make for yourself. So, <laughs> isn't that what's incredible? Rabbi said, I got wealth from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I got wisdom from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's amazing. My tefillahs for humility have gone unanswered. Yeah, because you have to do it yourself. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, Rav, so are both saying, incredible, incredible Gemaras. No, no isn't, this, isn't this incredible? Yeah. Abs- absolutely overwhelming. So the Gemara says, Rav Saorim, Achod de Rava, de Rava. So both say, Rav Saorim was the brother of Rava. Have Yosef Kamei de Rava. He was sitting in front of Rava. And I both say, the context over here is Rava is dying. Rava is dying. So what happens? So Rav Saorim is sitting with Rava. Chazi You saw that Rava was dozing. Now both say, Menamnim in this particular context means he is drifting off into death. So he sees that Rava is about to die. So the Gemara says, Amrale, Lema Leymar, Dlolotzaron. Rava Rabosei, one of his final words, says to his brother, Trav Saorim, Tell the Malach Hamaves not to cause me too much pain. So this is Rava who's dying. Rava who's about to die. Says Trav Saorim, Can you please daven on my behalf? And ask the Malach HaMavas not to cause me too much pain. Amrlei, Mar Lav Shoshvinehu, you're best friends with the Malach HaMavas, right? So Rav Sorum says to Rava, you're Rava, you're Rava. The Jews of Rava say there are stories of Rava conversing with the Malach HaMavas. So Rav Sorum says to Rava, why don't, why don't you tell the Malach HaMavas? Amrlei, Kevan de Imster Mazla lo Once my Mazla has been given over to him, he no longer listens to me. I will say, which is an incredibly profound idea. Ain't shilton biyom hamavas, like Kohala Shoma Malach says, there is no rulership on the day of death. So Rava says, I'm about to die. I, I, am, I am powerless in this world. So any, any, any rulership or any strength I had, I no longer possess. Davin on my behalf. So Amrle, Lis Chazili. So Rav final Davin, but I want to ask you something. Will you come back to me after death? Incredible. Will you come back to me? Will you appear to me after you die? So the Gemara says, Amrle, I'm sorry, Amrle, this So Rava dies, Rava dies, and he appears to have him in a dream. So Rava appeared to have him in a dream. Amrle, Havile, Lamar, Tsara, tell me, was death painful? Was death painful? To which Rava responds, Amrle, so the Gemara says, I'm sorry, Amrle, I'm sorry. I lost the place. Amrle Lamar Tsara, Amrle Kirivda Dukusilta. Rava responded, No, it wasn't very painful. It was like the it was like when they draw blood. Literally it means the blood letters lancet, right? The same way you get a little prick, right? When you go ahead and they draw blood, it was, it was like that little prick. It was that, that 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 little bit of pain, right? But it was not a painful experience. Incredible. Rava Haviyasid Kamid Rav Nachman. So we'll say another story. Rava Okay, interesting enough, now we're switching a little bit, right? Rava, when he was young, was sitting by Rav Nachman. Chazi, to come and have me, Rav Nachman was dying, and he saw that Rav Nachman was about to slip into death. Amar leimar So Rav Nachman says to Rava, Rav Nachman says to Rava, can you daven to the Malach HaMavis, or can you daven that the Malach HaMavis should not cause me pain? Amar leimar lav adam chashavu. So Rava says to Rav Nachman, Rebbe, you're such an important person, you don't need me to daven on your behalf. Amrali man chashiv man sofin man rakia. Essentially, he said, Who is important in front of the Malach Hamavas on the day of death? On the day of death, it's the Malach Hamavas who's powerful and the death who are powerless. Amrali, so again, Surava says, I'll daven for you, but Amrali lishazi limar. Will you appear to me? Will you appear to me in a dream after you pass away? Ischazile. So sure enough, Rav Nachman passed away, and ultimately he then appears to. He then appears to Rav. He then appears to Rava. Amrle Havili Lemart Sara. So Rava asked Rav Nachman, "Was death painful?" Amrle Kimishchal Bein Samichalva. No, death was not painful. It was like the removal of hair from a piece of from, from milk. In other words, it was a smooth transition. We'll say this is by the way the Gemara calls a misa beneshika. Death through the kiss of Hashem. But listen to Rav Nachman says, "The Amrli Yakadish Baruch Hu Zil Bahu Alma Kad Havis Lo Ba'ina Dinafish Biusise." But if Chashbaruch Hu would tell me to come back to the world again and experience death again, 
I wouldn't do it. Why? Because there is great fear of the Malach HaMavis. So it seems to me, Nachman was saying was death itself is not a painful experience. But there is an element of fear that a person experiences to the Malach HaMavis. Rav, Rav Sram Nachman said, I would not want to experience that fear again. The Gemara goes right there. Rabbi Lazar, Havaka'achal Truma. We'll say some great Malach HaMavis stories. Incredible. So Rabbi Lazar, Havaka'achal Truma. Rabbi Lazar was eating Truma. There was a coin, he was eating Truma. Is Chazilei, the Malach HaMavis appeared to him. And obviously, Rabbi say when the Malach HaMavis shows up, He's not there to say hello, right? Right? He's coming to claim your neshama. So Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar is eating truma. The Malach HaMavis appears. Amalei, truma kachilna. Falav kodesh. Agree? How you can't take me now. I'm eating truma. Truma's called kodesh. Truma's called kodesh. It's called holy. When I eat truma, I'm holy. You can't take me in a state of holiness. So we'll say, what happens? Chavol shaita. The Malach okay? So at the end of the Malach accepted the argument. He left. Now, I'll say, here's what's interesting. Apparently, the Malach cannot claim an neshama just at any time. There are particular times. And once the moment passes, the moment passes. So ultimately, he was unable to claim Rabbi Lazar's neshama. Rav Sheshes is chazili b'shuka. The Malach appeared to Rav Sheshes in the shuk, in the marketplace. Amr le b'shuka ke behema. Right? You're going to take my life in the shuk like an animal? Like an animal? Isa gabebeisa. At least come to my house. Come to my house. So apparently the Malach HaMavis, so again, the story doesn't end, but it sounds like the Malach HaMavis right, acquiesced and took Rav Sheshes in his home. Rav Ashi is Chazidei B'Shuka. So ultimately, again, Rav Ashi saw the Malach HaMavis in the Shuk. Amalei said to the Malach HaMavis, Israch li tlasin yomin v'achadju tamudai. Do me a favor, come back in 30 days. Come back in 30 days. Go ahead and let me review, or give me 30 days to review all of my learning. Right? And then I will yield my soul to you. The Amriso, because everyone says, well, isn't how beautiful this Gemara is. Ashrei Misha Balakan Praiseworthy is the person who comes to Olam Haba and his learning is in his hand. I will say, say here, the good plug for Chazara. But the idea being at the end, I will say, what do you come armed with? After 120, what do you come with? What do you come before the Bezin Shalmala armed with? Your learning. Right? When you come with your daf, when you come with your gemara, right? When you come with your Torah, that's what you come armed with before the Beis Yisrael. I will say it's incredible. It doesn't say Ashrei Mishabalakan Umitzvosav Biyado, which is quite amazing. Ashrei Mishabalakan Vitalmudo. Your Talmud Bavli, your Daf Yomi, your Torah, that's what you come before HaKadosh Baruch Hu with. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Biyom Tlas and Asa, 30th day, Malach shows up. Amorle, my kuli hai, right? So, this is interesting. So, Ashi says, Malach what's the rush? What's the rush? Like, why? I got it. He's here, like 30th day, Grand come day 31, day 32. What's the rush? What's the very profound Gemara? So, the Malach I'll tell you why. Kadoch karagli de barnasan. So the Machalos said to Ravashi, Ravashi, because it's time for, for Barnasan to become the Rashi Shiva, to become the Nasi, right? It's time for Barnasan to become the Nasi. And ultimately, as long as you're alive, he can't become the Nasi. So you have to die for him to become the Nasi. Ravashi, which is an incredibly profound episode. You know, often we kind of look at our lives ultimately again through a vacuum. Through a vacuum. Something okay, through a vacuum. So I would say, me, meaning what? That we look at our lives or the importance of our lives. What we don't realize is that we're a cog in a wheel. We're a cog in a wheel. And that sometimes, sometimes, ultimately, again, we have to leave the stage so that someone else could enter. It's a difficult lesson to accept, but an important one nevertheless. Ravashi, you're wonderful. But at the end of the day, you have to go ahead and leave so that there is room for someone else to come on board. Rav Chista, lo hava yachele, dola v'shasek puma megirsa. So Rav Chista, the Malach HaMavis cannot take his soul because he would not stop learning. Salik Yasef Ba'arza, so the Malach HaMavis went, he sat on a cedar tree, right? Debe Rav, paka arza v'shasek, the cedar tree split, and ultimately, again, as a result of that, Rav Chista stopped learning just for a moment. And when he stopped learning, what's the power of learning? When he stopped learning, that's the Malach HaMavis was able to take his soul. Rav Chiyah matzi le'mikrave, the Malach HaMavis was unable to get close to Rav Chiyah. Yom achad idmi le'ka'anya, one day the Malach HaMavis appeared like a poor person, 
He went and he knocked on the door. So the Malach HaMavis asked, asked Rebchia for bread, and he gave him bread. You have so much Rachmanus on the poor person. Why don't you have Rachmanus on me, the Malach HaMavis? To which the Gemara says, The Malach HaMavis revealed himself, showed him literally again, Shuta Denura means, I will say, like a bolt of fire. Apparently that's the Malach HaMavis carries around. Amtsile Nafshein Rabchia willingly gave over us. So we'll, say, all right, we'll stop over here, Miras Hashem, for today. Miras Hashem, tomorrow, last stop of Meseches Moid Cotton. We'll begin at the Mishnah. Shkoyach. Amen. It's in Shabbos. Yeah, why, why here? I don't know. 